This is the season of Lent. It is the 40 days, uh, not including Sundays, the 40 days on our way to Good Friday, the cross, and Easter. It is a time that we remember the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness fasting. It's a time that we remember the 40 years that the Israelites spent walking in the wilderness. And so this morning, kind of have some pictures. We have a path here. This is our trail of walking in the wilderness. I remember uh, growing up in Colorado, going to camp up at Woodland Park, and, and you'd go out into the wilderness. You'd try to get lost as a little boy. It's always a fun thing to do. And every now and then, you would stumble across three stones that are stacked up on top of each other. And when you come across that, I learned from somebody, that doesn't happen by itself. If you come across three stones, it means that somebody has been here before. It means that there is a path that you are not alone. And this morning and and this season of Lent, as we are walking in the wilderness, we are reminded that we are not walking alone, but we are walking with God. As I've been preparing for the sermon series and and these, uh, these sermons, I've been thinking about walking. I've been meditating on walking, what walking has meant for me. I've been walking around our neighborhood. I've been visiting businesses in the community. I've been walking around here at the church and then, and then also at my house. And, and I, I, I remember something. If it wasn't for walking, I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't be married to Joanna. We met when we were in college. I was a senior in college and she was a junior in college. And <clears throat> I had a homework assignment that needed to be printed out every other day for, for Greek, actually. And uh, there was no computer lab in my uh, dorm, so I would always have to go to the junior dorms to uh, print out my homework. And this is early 2000s, so we remember what computers were like. You go to a computer, you press the power button, and then you got to find something to do for 20 minutes, right? <laughs> and so I would go to her computer lab, I'd press the power button, and then I'd go for a walk. And those walks led me to her dorm. And I would knock on her door and say hi and see how she was doing. And we were just friends. And uh, we'd get about 10 minutes of visiting. And then I'd go get my homework. And then every other day, for about two months, I'd have a little 10-minute visit, a little walk with Joanna. And we built that relationship. And we fell in love. We got married. And we were a young couple without any money in uh, downtown Boise. We had an awesome apartment, uh, location, 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 but we didn't have any money. And so what we would do as a young married couple was just walk every night. We'd go for walks. There is something about walking that can bring two people together. When you walk with somebody, you get to know them. I'm not much of a walker. I prefer running. I like running. I've, that's how I exercise. That's what I want to do with my body. Uh, I'm trying to get faster. I'm trying to, uh, you know, have, uh, push myself. Running is kind of a solitary sport. I, I do run with people every now and then. I'll, and when you run with another person, it actually makes you run faster. Maybe one's a little bit faster than the other, and so you push a little bit harder, and then the one that is a little bit faster wants to stay in front, so you push a little bit harder. So you can run with people, but it's really just to make yourself faster. And at the end of these runs, I never feel like I know my running partners better. 
I never feel like we're closer to one another. But when you go for a walk with somebody, when you go for a walk with somebody, you have time. You're going at a pace where you can have a conversation. It goes slow. This is what God is calling us to do, right? The Christian life is a walk. This is our God. As we talk about the Christian life, we're, uh, I, I wanna, I, the Christian life is woven together these three things, community, belief, and practice. If we are trying to be a Christian, it's not enough that we just believe in something, right? Jesus says that even the demons believe in God. Believing isn't enough for the Christian life. Community. We need community. We can't do it alone. John Wesley says that the Bible knows nothing of a solitary religion. It's not, we, we can't just me, myself, and I go into my room, read my Bible by myself, come out, and declare that I know everything about God, right? We have examples of people that do that. They go in and say, I alone have discovered something that nobody else has discovered, God is coming back on December 21st this time. Sell all your possessions and go with me to the coast. Come on, everybody. Those guys always turn out to be wrong. We need community. We need to test what God is saying to me with what God is saying to you. We need one another. So we need beliefs, but belief alone is not enough. We need community, but just knowing people, being friendly with people is not enough to be a Christian. We also need practices because we are human beings. Our bodies need practice. We do need conditioning. When we get involved in certain practices, we change our characters and we shape who we are. And so as Christians, to be Christians, we need to engage in certain practices. In this sermon series, The Walk, we're going to be engaging several of those practices. I do like the idea of walk. My, one of my favorite Bible verses is Micah 6, 8. It says, um, God has shown you, O human, told you, O human, what is good and what the Lord requires from you, to do justice, to embrace faithful love, and to walk humbly with God. The image of walking pervades throughout Scripture. In fact, we see it that God is a walker. One of the first things we hear about God in the Garden of Eden is that God walked in the cool of the evening to find Adam and Eve. Our God likes walking. When God comes to us in Jesus Christ, this is what Jesus is known for. He's a pedestrian preacher. He just walks from town to town to town. I don't know how fast Jesus could run the 5K or the 10K. I don't know what his speed is. He preferred a walking speed. He preferred building relationships. He preferred telling stories. Our Christian life is a walk with God. The walk are these various practices that we do, uh, different um, activities that we engage in our, to get closer to God, to build that conversation, to know God more and more. And so 
Over the next five weeks, we're going to be taking a look at five of these Christian practices. Uh, they're found in our membership vows. Last week, we had a couple of members, uh, new members join the church, and so they recited these vows. If you're a member of the church, then you've said these vows at a certain point. So we're going to let these vows be our guide in our Christian practices over the next five weeks. So the, they go like this. Will you uphold the United Methodist Church by your prayers? your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. This is what we'll be going through over the next five weeks. Prayers, presence, gifts, services, and witness. And so today, we start with prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is just simply communication. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's staying in communication with God. No relationship can survive without communication, and our relationship with God is just the same. How are we talking with God? How are we speaking with God? It seems easy. You can do it anytime, anywhere, but then again, it's so difficult, right? Because God doesn't have a physical body. God is not in your face like your partner or your spouse is often, <laughs> You can forget about God. You can ignore God. And so the first step of the Christian life, which is the easiest, is to just simply talk with God, is so often overlooked and forgotten about. Pew Research did some studies on prayer, uh, and they looked at all sorts of different Christians, people that identify as different kind of uh, Christian denominations, uh, but on mainline Christians, which are churches, denominations like ours, uh, Lutherans, Presbyterians, Episcopals, um, it says this, 54%, just over half of us, people from our tradition, pray daily, okay? 23% pray weekly, I'm guessing maybe like at church, <laughs> 15% seldom or never pray. Hmm. Praying is more difficult than we thought. I wanted to apply these numbers to our congregation. Uh, in January and February, we averaged about 145 in worship, but I took a deeper dive into who our people is, who our people are, and um, there's about 210 active worshipers in our church. So what does that mean? If we apply uh, Pew Research's numbers to our community, it means about 161 prayers are going up from our congregation every week. Now, that's not nothing. Let me tell you that that's powerful stuff. 161 prayers. Betty Ann Green testified in the first service that these 161 prayers got her through her surgery. Through She knew that she was carried by this congregation and our 161 prayers. At the funeral service for John Jones last week, one of his friends, uh, Ed from Utah, his daughter went through a medical crisis, and, and he testified that this congregation and our 161 prayers lifted up his daughter and healed her. 161 prayers are powerful. 161 prayers lifted up my daughter, carried us through those difficult times. 161 prayers is powerful. It is strong. So I want to ask, what would happen if we doubled it? What if we doubled it? 
What would that do to our church and our community? Now, prayer is not just asking God to do stuff in the world. Prayer changes us. When we are in communication, when we are in relationship with somebody, it's not just changing them, but it changes us. How will we change if we double? How will you change if you doubled the amount of prayers going up? If 322 prayers were going up, how would that change the way you looked at people in the church? How would that change your relationships? How would that change your kindness and your gentleness, your joy and your love? How would you change with 322 prayers if we doubled it? How would you change? And now our prayers don't just affect us, but it affects our neighbors and our communities. How would those who interact with us be changed if we doubled our prayers? How would the businesses around us be changed if we doubled our prayers? 161 prayers is powerful, and we've seen it do mighty things. What would 322 prayers do? Now, I would be silly if I asked for only 322 prayers a week. I want to ask this question. What would 7,350 prayers do in this congregation? How would that change you? How would that change our community? 7,350 prayers. That's everyone praying five times a day. That's all I'm asking. That's not that much. That's not that much. I'm asking you to pray five times a day. That brings 7,350 prayers from this community. How would that change? How would that change our relationships and our communication with one another? How would that change the way we feel towards the out towards the community, towards our neighbors, towards our neighboring businesses? How would that change the world if 7,350 prayers came up? Asking everyone to pray five times a day. I don't think it's too much. Here's how you're going to do it. One, just pray first thing when you wake up in the morning. Simple, thank you God for this day. That's all I want you to do. Thank you God for this day. Thank you that I have this day. Thank you for the gifts that you've given me. Thank you for this life. Simple. Start your day with a thank you. Then three times a day, pray for your meals. Now, as Christians, whenever we gather together, we're about to eat, and we look at each other like, hmm, are we going to pray? The pastor's here. We probably should, right? (laughs) I don't want you to pray just because of me. I want you to pray because you are thankful for God's gifts. And just take a moment before every time you eat and appreciate all the hands that it took to get this food in front of you. Appreciate God's gifts and all the people involved to get this in front of you. And I don't think you have to stop the restaurant and say, excuse me, everybody, I'm going to pray for everyone's meals. No, no, no. You don't have to disrupt coworkers. You don't have to disrupt anything. Just quietly to yourself, before you eat that meal, thank you, God. It's not lost on me that a lot of stuff had to happen to get this food right in front of me, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Do that three times. Do that three times a day. And then the last thing, before you go to bed, before you go to bed, thank you, God, for this day. I'm sorry if I missed some opportunities. I'm sorry if I missed some opportunities to love I'm sorry if I missed some opportunities to give. Lord God, I 
I rely on your grace. And I thank you that another day is coming. Good night. That's all I want you to do. Five thank you prayers a day. Quietly, to yourself. Simple. And if you master these prayers of thank you, and if you want to tack on a few extra words, you can. I think that that's okay. But master the thank you prayers. Five thank you prayers every day. Seven thousand prayers coming up from this congregation you don't think that that's going to change things that's going to change things through the season of lent can you commit five prayers a day morning three meals and in the evening see what happens you don't have to use a lot of words in fact jesus says i don't want you to use a lot of words he says, when you pray, don't do it in front of people. When you pray, don't, don't have the tons of words coming out. Just pray simple prayers. God already knows what you need before you ever ask it. It's not about getting God to do stuff for you. It's about communication and keeping that communication alive. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor, uh, have you forgotten when Jesus said, don't pray with a lot of words? Your prayers are getting a little long on Sundays, right? I know, I know. And they're only going to get longer, people. No, I'm just, uh, (laughs) I pray these words on Sunday morning, and I choose them carefully, and I know what I'm going to say usually, and you probably know what I'm going to say, because there are some things that I would never pray for if it wasn't for church. There are some things that I, I just never pray for if it wasn't for you, for this job, for worship. I very rarely pray for my enemies. And often every Sunday, often on Sundays, I get to this point and I think to myself, I hadn't thought about asking blessing for people who are hard, people who are difficult at all this entire week since last Sunday. I don't often pray for my president. Whether you like him or love him, I don't often pray for him. So it's important for me to include that in our prayers. I don't often pray for the whole church coming together and things being right. So I go down this litany of prayers in case you didn't get a chance to pray for any of these things throughout the week. Here at least is one opportunity to pray for all these things that we may have missed throughout the week. Prayer, prayer is personal. We need it. We are human beings. We need to build the character of prayer in our life to go quickly to God in communication in whatever moments come up. I encourage you to pray five times a day. I think we can do it. I think it's going to change our world. I think it's going to change our church. 7,350 prayers. That's what I'm thinking about. Secondly, as we talk about prayer, all the Christian practices They are always personal. There is something that you have to do, but there's also communal. There's something that we have to do together. Every Christian practice has a personal element and a communal element. So we do pray on our own. 7,350 prayers coming up from this congregation a week on our own, personal prayers. But we also need communal prayers. We also need to come together and worship and pray together. Um, you, well, the scripture we just said, Pastor Rick said, Jesus told us to go into our rooms and pray. What are you talking about? Yeah, he does say that. 
There is a personal component. We must pray on our own. But notice what Jesus says when he tells us to pray. Pray like this. Our Father. Not not my Father. Forgive us our sins. Not forgive me my sins. Even our personal prayer has a communal element to it. When we pray, we realize we are not alone. The Lord's prayer is not a prayer that you pray alone. It is a recognition that I belong to a family, that I belong to a body of people. So in our prayers, we have to prioritize praying together, coming together. We have to prioritize worship. Here we are. This is the communal act of prayer, opening our hearts to God, communicating with God together as a community, as a family. Um, I have my phone, which I really like. I'm pretty happy with my phone. It's got a problem, though. It only lasts like 12 hours, (laughs) and then it's got to be plugged in. Then it's got to be plugged in. And so, probably like a lot of you, I have this ritual Before I go to bed, I plug in my phone. I say a prayer for my phone. (laughs) Hope you're charged in the morning. Hope I did everything right. And then I go to bed. And sometimes I I miss this ritual. And sometimes I wake up in the morning and my phone is showing red. And I think, oof, getting through this day is gonna be difficult. I'm going to be bouncing around from office to office, plugging in here for a little while, plugging in here for a little while. i got to get through this day because this phone's not going to make it without some charging. I think humans, you and I, uh, we were built in for the needing, for, with the necessity of charging. Scripture says we need charging once every seven days. I think, man coming to worship and charging our hearts, charging our souls and our spirits is so fundamental and necessary for me. When we build that into our process, when we build that into our bodies, we find that we are strengthened. We find that we are stronger. We got to get charged up. Now, I think about worship and prayer. I think about worship and prayer kind of like as necessary as sleeping and eating is for our bodies. Worship and prayer is just as necessary for our, um, our souls as sleeping as, and eating is. And I don't want to give anybody a guilt trip this morning. That's not what I'm here to do. I don't, I don't want anybody to feel guilty. If you came to me and said, Pastor, I have not eaten all day long, I would never come to you and say, you wicked, wicked child. <laughs> you better get down on your knees and pray for forgiveness because you've, you've been neglecting your body. You've been skipping meals. If you came to me and said, I haven't eaten all day long, what do I do? Just eat. Just eat. If you've ever been in college and have done an all-nighter, <laughs> you know what it does to your body when you skip sleep. When you skip sleep, you don't get down on yourself and say, man, I'm a terrible person for missing sleep. No, just sleep, just sleep. If it's been a while since you prayed, if it's been a while since you've attended worship, there's no reason to get down on yourself. 
Just pray. Just worship. Just be here. Just be charged by God. Average attendance for an active church member uh, has gone down recently, not just in our church, but all across the board. Uh, They used to say that active church members were coming uh, three times a month. Now it's twice a month. Um, And so we are not putting those practices in. So during this season of Lent and then onward, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. At my my, um, daughter's school, they say that uh, they say that you can't miss 10 days of school before it really starts to affect your greeting or your reading level. If you want to be on uh, grade level for reading, do whatever you can to not miss more than 10 days of school. That's what I want to do for us. I want to challenge you. Don't miss more than 10 Sundays in a year. That's, that's still only about 80% of the Sundays right? That's still only a B if we're taking grades. But I want to encourage you, get up to that B level. Don't miss more than 10 Sundays. If you can do more, if you want to be an A student, I want you to be an A student too. Prioritize worship. If you're healthy, if you're healthy, and if you're in town, be at church. Get charged up. See what that does for your body. See what that does for your rhythm. See what that does for your calendar when you make an anchor point on Sunday mornings. See how that changes who you are and what happens. The Christian walk starts with a step of communication, the step of prayer. It is a personal element. I'm asking everybody to to do it 7,000 times a week, all of us together. There's a communal element to come together and say, I'm not alone in my prayers, to literally recite the Lord's Prayer with a multitude of voices. These are some of the steps that shape us and transform us into that Christian life to be more like Christ. Christ never asks us to do anything that Christ won't do. We see again throughout the scriptures Christ getting away to pray by himself. Christ inviting the disciples to come and pray with him. He says as you walk in this wilderness, as you trace the steps of the Christian life, you're going to see these stones that are stacked up on each other. You're going to see the trail, and you're going to know that you do not walk alone. I am with you. When we come to worship, we come face to face with Christ to remember that we are not alone. In a quite literal way, we take Christ into ourselves through communion. And then, as we leave this place, we're already starting our journey back into the world to take Christ into the world. That's what all of this is about on Sunday mornings. So, a couple, before we get to the table, a couple of action steps. They're very, uh, they're very obvious, very apparent. First one, pray five times a day. You can do it. You can do it. Little thank yous. Thank you in the morning. Thank you before each meal. Thank you before you fall asleep at night. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for this food. I'm aware of how much work had to happen for me to eat today, and I appreciate it. Lord God, thank you for this day. I'm sorry if I missed any opportunities. Thank you for the next day 
and another chance. That's it. Five prayers a day. 7,000 prayers coming up from this church. Can you imagine how that's going to change you, how that's going to change us, how it's going to change our community? Pray five times a day. Commit to being at church. Commit to being in worship. If you're healthy and in town, be here. Get recharged. Get filled up again. Don't beat yourself up if you can't make it. Just make it. Just come. Just come. This is what, these, these are part of the practices. This is what it is to enter into the season of Lent to say, God, help guide me, inform me. I'm going to take up some practices that help myself, help get me closer to you. I encourage you to step up your prayers, to step up prayers at home, 7,000 prayers, to step up your prayers here, be here, be present, and watch what God will do through you and through our church.